0: you
1: Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're back to do the season four episode two feedback episode. Aaron, I hear there is quite a bit of feedback today.
0: There's a good amount of feedback today. Uh, The Stranger Things feedback we got was was insane. Uh, Almost Uh, Game of Thrones level. But uh, so in comparison, not as much, but still a healthy amount. Uh, Should we get right to it? Sure. Whenever you're ready, because I don't have any new pet theories to talk about. And there's plenty of stuff to get into the, the feedback. So I'm going to get right to Ann and Louise says, good to see you guys again. I just finished listening to the feedback podcast for season four, episode one Westworld. I'm surprised the two artistic illusions did not come up. First, you talked about Christina and Dolores being a painter. And you said the phrase Christina's world's about a dozen times. But I don't remember any discussion of the famous Wyeth, not Wyatt, but close painting Christina's world. It's housed at the MoMA in New York City. Yeah, we got we were a week late to that discourse uh, that we we talked about a little bit on the instant take. But uh, Anne Louise here has some some background information. Um, The title of the episode, it might not be a nod or might just be a nod to fortune telling via birds. But I would guess it's referring to William Blake poem Auguries of Innocence. The themes of the poem are appropriate to say to release. Remember these violent delights. Well, here's how the poem ends. Every morning and every night, some are born to sweet delight, some are born to sweet delight. Some are born to endless night. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears and God is light to those poor souls who dwell in night, but does a human form display to those who dwell in realms of day. Are we sure this isn't a Kanye West lyric? This seems like late stage Kanye. Um, it might
1: be. It might be. I thought it was beat poem.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say it's like I, I just give me drop a sick beat on this and yeah. let let me let let me do something with it. Uh, right, something she says. <laughs> she says. See what I mean? Uh, by the way, through mm-hmm. in this context is usually pronounced and used to mean through, not throw. Um oh yeah I, I, I was like did I fuck that up and I went no no I did it right um, no it definitely seems like it's uh, it's thematic to what they're doing with Westworld do you have any commentary yeah. on it Jim I I don't
1: this is one of those things that like you notice and you appreciate but you're not sure if it has any real predictive power right, um, talked right. About that a few times and Yeah, they do this all the time uh, so yes, it is definitely, <laughs> I blame me not knowing anything about art, uh, on not picking this up.
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is like, um, and it's, it's on these shows, you never know. Cause I remember like, in you know, uh, when I was a, a young TV podcaster and I would get these sick theories about Mad Men and Dante's Inferno because the season opened with Don, with Don reading it on the beach. Mm-hmm and it never amounted to anything it's just like you know it it didn't have nothing to do with the season and what Don was going through but like you know like oh the ninth episode is going to be the ninth episode of hell and it's going to concentrate on freezing and all no not usually this show you never can tell but Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of religious imagery like when it says we may not see through the eye the eye is capitalized I'm assuming that's the eye of providence the eye of God that they're referring to uh and souls and god being light uh as opposed to the the darkness um but yeah i think it's it's flavor there's there's like exactly there's there's some illusions that are you know you you can do things with and there's some like even when we talked about solomon and Rehoboam and like the you know the kingdoms of judah like we did some deep dives in that early last season i don't think that really amounted to hill of beans You know, other than literally Rehoboam was the successor to Solomon. Right, right. But, yeah. Um, Moving on to Andy L said, so the computers, Rehoboam was a king of the Jews and a split kingdom of Israel with the other king, Jeroboam, also a big champagne bottle. I'm going to get to that here in a minute. This was post-Solomon David's United Kingdom, so another supercomputer may exist. I think we've seen at least one, right? In the lighthouse, which yeah. they killed, I think. But, uh, I mean, that's, I guess that's my big question. We've seen three of these now. Why not four? Why not five? Why not six? Yeah. When do you ever know that you've killed them all? And since we've only gotten small talk from Maeve and Caleb, the people who were there doing the hunts and the, it's like the Jedi purge. How do you ever know you got them all? Well, you didn't because there's Master Obi-Wan and Master Yoda hiding out in, in the, the swamp and deserts. Mm -hmm. of uh, Dagobah and Tatooine respectively Um, I wonder if they have a satisfying answer to that or if there is going to be yet another core Uh, yeah I I don't know if there can be a satisfying
1: answer to that uh, because somebody could always I, I suppose like if all the players who built them are dead and you get all the ones and you get them to like tell you where they are before they die and then you go destroy all of them then maybe but i don't know yeah it's a tough thing when you could just build another one of these things yeah which is Um, the westworld conundrum right
0: but that's the thing i guess that's my big argument against more cores is is that interesting is that is that that a little bit like return of the jedi you know death star 2 is Uh, it interesting to
1: go back to another park at this stage i don't know it it depends what they do with it.
0: Well, I got some I got some uh, some some theories and speculation based on how long they're going to spend in this new park. I want to go okay. back to this Jeroboam or maybe it's Jeroboam. Uh, <laughs> did you did you know that there are giant bottles of champagne out in the world and they're all named after these Judean kings and biblical figures?
1: I've I've seen some truly epic bottles of wine, so I assume well, champagne would well, follow suit.
0: So so, get this: you got a quarter bottle that's mm-hmm. 185 milliliters. You got a demi bottle; it's a half bottle. You got you got a bottle; it's a 750 milliliter. Everybody's seen that, right? You got the magnum; that's a uh, 1.5 liter two bottles. I've seen those at a store. Oh yeah, and you think God, those are
1: big. Uh, there can't couldn't possibly be anything bigger.
0: <laughs> it, it goes Jeroboam, which is a three liter four <laughs> bottle. Ruhoboam, Ro- okay. which is a 4.5 liter six bottle methuselah oldest man in the bible eight bottles of wine nice salamanazar which i don't even fucking know who this guy is <laughs> 12 bottles balthazar i think that's one of daniel's friends that got thrown into the the, the no. fiery furnace uh-huh. 16 bottles nebuchadnezzar 20 bottles mel melchor that's i think that's a lord of the rings character 24 bottles solomon 26.6 bottles a sovereign they said Wait, fuck it six? on the biblical net. Na- 26.6 yes because this is this is all Who like milliliters at eh, the europeans they oh, got this okay. fucking metric okay. system it's yeah. it's it's scary and weird i don't like it they can be blamed for the the premat of 36 bottles and then the melchizedek Duh. 40 fucking bottles of wine in this thing. <laughs> it's got to be as tall as I am.
1: Oh, yeah. I, and you couldn't lift it.
0: Now, who pours? Here's who where, pours the Melchizedek? Well, here's where the Westworld theory comes in, because I think that only a host could pop. No, I don't have it. I don't have a, <laughs> okay. a tie in. I just thought my mind was blown when this guy just parenthetically says also a big bottle of champagne. You, you don't even know that yeah. Jer- Jerobo- Jeroboam is a bitty boy compared to melchizedek over here (laughs) the eternal high priest uh from the bible anyway uh thank you for that andy you made my day and i kind of i kind of have a goal in life to uh, score these melchizedeks (laughs) uh i mean you must have to special order these from the goddamn factory
1: and i imagine they don't put like cheap wine in them either I, I can't yeah. imagine Franzia is making a Melchizedek, right? You're not gonna get, pick one of these up for 200 bucks. I,
0: I want a Melchizedek box of wine. Yes <laughs> sure. yeah I want it to be the size of a refrigerator. I just put it in the refrigerator. Yeah <laughs> you just drill the tap here you're, you're good. you're done. Uh, holy shit. yeah, I think you could cut the top off of that and take a bath in it mm-hmm. if you had the Melchizedek. Um, so there yeah yeah I'd, I'd probably have to spend more than a new car on that but is that uh, what
1: they're in in the intro? The humans that are burning. Yes. Are they burning? That's the where this of- all
0: ties together. Where yeah. they're all they've all been bottled. They've all been mm-hmm. bottled uh, <laughs> and flambéed. Derek, we got like five minutes out of the champagne. This is why people tuned into the Westworld pod. Oh, yeah. Uh, Derek in Atlanta. One thing keeps occurring to me when listening to the podcast coverage that I have not heard voice just yet. When Bernard wakes up at the end of season three, we attribute the dust covering him and the hotel room to mean he's in the far-flung future. However, what also causes tons of dust and debris, robot wars, I say, that's what. I could see us finding out that Bernard actually wakes up sometime in a seven- to eight-year timeline established in season four. The dust and debris are from the war that kicked off the end of season three. Um, Yeah, I mean... To be honest, if he's out in like the desert or, you know, some kind of dusty area and it seems like he was, if that window, if his hotel window broke and it was just left there for like six months. Yeah, you know, you you, you drive down a, a dirt road for a week and you will think that your car had been entombed in a Pharaoh's sarcophagus. The amount of dust and debris that you'll cut. Co- so yeah, I, 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 but but on the other hand, if we're talking like Hollywood visual dictionary type stuff, him covered in a thick layer of dust, combined with the flashback we saw in season three, which or I'm sorry, season two, which kicks open the idea of these epic scopes of time. Yeah, I think they're leaning more towards he's going to be deactivated for a good long while. But maybe the seven, I don't know. I don't know, because we're still not sure exactly what kind of time loops we're dealing with. It, if, Bernard, if Bernard meets Caleb in the real world of Maeve, then I think you got to conclude that, that he's only knocked out for seven or eight years, or he got up and for whatever reason went back to the exact same spot and reposed mm-hmm. some more.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that would explain why the hotel is not nearly as dilapidated structurally. Um, true you know what one of those uh, roadside hotel motel places is not going to survive hundreds of years without maintenance
0: no i'd like yeah there's no way this is like a thousand years in the future because there'd be not left but maybe the cinder block foundation like right. a few crumbled remains kind of like uh you know excavate an old roman city it's like oh that sounds cool but then it's just like oh there's a couple footers here and yeah, here's the that shitter happens
1: in 20 years on these buildings yeah
0: yeah you lose a roof on a building and Uh it it starts aging in uh fruit fly years Mm -hmm. yeah you you let the elements in and it's it's game over so thanks for that derek another day is here and
1: you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Let's move on to Kelly. In preparation for this latest season, I went back and over a handful of days rewatched all three previous seasons. Heroic. While watching the scene where Hale calls the senator's wife livestock, which is a great callback to season one where they call the decommissioned host livestock, of course, it hit me. In another scene in season two, Dolores is talking to Teddy and she recalls the story of when the Abernathy family's cattle herd got a disease called blue tongue. Dolores talks about how they tried to quarantine the herd, but more and more animals kept getting sick until they realized the disease was caused by a virus spread by a fly. In truth, it spread by a type of biting midge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'm would. i going to go ahead and call Midge's flies as well. They. I, I looked them up. Uh, they're they're yeah. skinny flies. We're going to call them skinny flies. I love sure. the parallels they're drawing here. Not only is a callback to the fly a way to indicate hosts reaching sentience in season one, but the reference to how Hale and Dolores is thinking of people in the same lines as people thought of the hosts, livestock, cattle, sheep, and other ruminants get this fly spread disease and now people can be infected with Hale's virus in much the same way. I really loved all the um, so let's this is something I wanted to bring up in the last episode when they talked about livestock. I just couldn't remember the exact frame of w- when this story was told. And I couldn't even remember. I, I forgot that it was uh, like late stage Teddy and Dolores romance season two stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad someone brought this back into the, the picture. And the
1: solution, as I recall, was to kill a bunch of the livestock until they if you wanted to keep something from the... spreading yeah right right so that's ominous
0: gosh it makes me think about like we've been talking about how they're replacing these world leaders as a way to speed run the population collapse that rehoboam and solomon were predicting um a way to accelerate that is to actually start telling people that yeah we've replaced some of you <laughs> Because, <laughs> because then the you start and then, yeah. then you uh, and you and start trying to cauterize, just like they said in, you know, like you don't want to kill your cattle. They're valuable, but oh my God, you know, if it's going to take us all out, then, you know, um, that's pretty, like I, I could see them uh, potting or, or pitting us against each other that way. Let's move on to the next segment, which is I really loved all the callbacks and loops in this episode from Dolores, who I believe is a VR, in a VR AR world, people can enter a la Free Guy starting her new awakening through interactions with the mentally ill named man named Peter to hail tormenting William in much the same way he tortured her all the way to reveal a temperance and a new version of the Sweetwater song. Lastly, one more observation I wanted to share. You talked last week, of the opening sequence and a progression where people are in clear tubes. We've now realized these are Melchizedek champagne bottles. Mm-hmm. Uh, they start burning as the camera pans out and you realize the tubes are all part of a larger orb. To me, this orb represents the host Pearl, The people inside the past versions of the host all siloed apart, but sometimes able to interact with the other memories and past selves. When they burn and start screaming, it represents the torture and death. They all went through before being shut up. Now being trapped in those memories buried inside the host's mind. Again, great imagery that resonates Hmm. through the entire show and its themes. Interesting. I I do. It feels a little bit too backwards for looking though. Like, like, um, it seems like the Westworld credits are much more looking forward into the season. And this is Uh like going back to season one and two, the hosts minds burning in their own crucible and forging into a distinct kind of separate personality. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I I don't know what to make of it. Although now we're talking about how you kill the, the livestock and cauterize an infection. Like, this could be the humanity burning, uh, you know, in in uh, some kind of like livestock facility or cryo facility. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's still early goings. You got anything else or should we move on to Dave? Let's see what Dave's got. Dave says, I was thinking the new park and a context around it. Westworld was a park run by humans for the pleasure of other humans to hunt down robots. Now it's run by hosts and it's now a park for hosts to hunt down human guests and replace them. I like the idea of learning to prey into the web like flies. You might say. I mean this this dovetails on what I've been saying that um, one way to mass replace humans would be to invite them to a park like Temperance. Um, I guess it could also be the case that the the that the Christina's world is the same way, but hmm. it. It it seems like the focus on Christina's world is much more on the storytellers, yeah, and singularly on Christina. She seems like she's got she's the 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 main character, you know. Oh yeah, uh, seems like it. But I do like the web imagery. We saw that that's connected to the tower, and we've got like I said, I, there's always that like opposing oppositional forces we talked about in the preview podcast. The tower with the webs. The, uh disease it's the uh, the 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 virus that they're spreading through humanity uh involving the flies we think they're working those two sides are working together but man those are very opposite in imagery
1: sure yeah we really don't have much insight into what's happening with christina right now or who's doing it like z- zero behind the scenes honestly
0: yeah um and also people keep on saying that uh like one people, some people are using the fact that Christina's world seems very normal to dismiss the idea that it's some kind of Westworld type of where people are running and and raping and killing. And I would submit that if you were to stroll down the main street of Sweetwater, you'd say the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And canonically, like it's not that you can't kill and rape in, in like the Mariposa or whatever, but like the way that they've always described Westworld is that like concentrically, as you walk further and further away from the heart of it, you get into more extreme and more adult situations. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't surprise me if at the core of Christina's world, everything is pretty much law. Cause like, if you were to like kill somebody, you would have the, the parks cops coming after you and you'd have to deal with the, that a whole mess. And it seems like that's a pretty advanced type of thing I don't know but you also had Hector coming and knocking over to Mariposa every day so they had a little Uh, bit of law and order for you to experience but that was very controlled right
1: that was true that was part of the experience yeah Um, it's not like I felt was like as you get further and further out in the circles of Westworld it's less and less control by the system you know you you can do kind of whatever you want knock knock uh, hosts off their loops Uh, with whatever. But if you try that in town, yeah, you'd have all the cops after you. You'd have uh, mechanisms of control kind of steering the story back to some normalcy.
0: And and again, it's it's not like Sweetwater was lawless. They did have Hector coming and and stealing the safe once a day, but that was like, like you said, a show. So like, Mm -hmm. unless you were there for that, and that's more of a hook to draw you into the wilder, like, Oh, these are things you can all, you can have the family experience. Like we saw people having, um where they're just kind of you know i've always wondered what the family experience of westworld was like like yeah, it's, it feels like connor prairie like super expensive like, and the connor prairie just you know is, is uh, up in northern indiana they had a frontier town that they maintain and like all of us junior high and high schoolers would go there once a year and see how they make tallow candles and you know shit like that and it was interesting the first time or two you went but like boy repeat business kind of rough um yeah the family experience for west road always seemed kind of lame like why the fuck would you ever do that rather than like disney world you know
1: yeah it's it's the Knott's Berry farm to disney world i mm. when i was growing up Knott's Berry farm was like the the amusement park it's not it's not really it's just like a shopping center with a couple of kid rides right essentially uh but that was like you know the downgraded version of going to universal or disney or something
0: Yeah, would you pay a hundred thousand dollars a day to take your family? That's what I'm saying. Like, who the fuck? Anyway, people uh, who love jams and jellies did, I suppose. (laughs) Jess says someone shared the season four promo portraits, the ones where everyone looks frighteningly airbrushed and unlike themselves, on Reddit. And when I saw the new cast member Aurora Perino, I had not been introduced had not been introduced yet in episode one. I turned to IMDb. Turns out, even though there's less press about her casting, she's not listed on the WW IMD page, nor is Westworld listed on her own IMDb page. What are they hiding from us? Nothing. My personal she th- is now. Is it, What's her character listed as? Oh,
1: uh, character name? I don't know that. I can look okay,
0: because cause here's it's a, so like we're whoa boy Jess, moment of truth. What uh, my personal theory is that she's Frankie all grown up and since that points to an eventual time jump or multiple timelines, I've decided to obfuscate that for the they've decided to obfuscate that for the viewers as long as possible. I back up this theory with the fact that Aurora Perrineau is Michael from Lost Real Life Daughter and on Lost Michael's son Walt Ace at an inexplicable rate. So Aurora must be grown-up Frankie. I think that lasts is tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> what does IMDb say about the character that Parano is playing?
1: Absolutely nothing. I was wrong about that. She's not listed as Westworld cast member on IMDb, still.
0: Jim Jones, Even dead fucking her. wrong. You heard it here first on the Westworld podcast.
1: The trouble is I saw her in The Next Time On.
0: For... Yeah, oh, yeah, no, sure, sure. They're not hiding that she's in the show. She's in a trailer, too. Right. What they're saying is... Why the hell is she not listed in next week's cast? Why is there no character information? Like if you go to uh, HBO's show page, it seems, I I think your theory seems pretty strong, you know, like it might not be Frankie, which is, you know, Caleb's daughter, but it does feel like it's somebody that if they put the character name out there, uh, we would all raise eyebrows and start theory crafting before we're supposed to. So could be,
1: yeah,
0: Keep an eye on that. We don't have very long to wait, just another couple days to see what's going on with that. Daniel says, did you happen to notice the smoke near Christina's feet as she was exiting her apartment in this week's episode? It's very subtle on rewatch on an iPad. I could barely see it, but on my initial watch on a large 4k television, it was very clear. My girlfriend and I both looked at each other and said, did you see that? To me, it's one of two things. Uh, There. Okay. First of all, have you seen this, Jim? I have. How would you describe it?
1: Uh, a wisp of some kind of fog, yeah, at her feet and and it's barely visible. Uh, like on a on a four k screen i I don't know. I looked at it on a four k screen uh, here at my computer, and I still think it's barely noticeable.
0: It's very barely noticeable. It looks like uh, someone took a vape rig and like blew it at her ankles and blew it like 10 seconds ago. So it's just started to dissipate. And by the time the thing is, is I thought. I was looking for her opening the door the way people described it. If you're looking there, it's already too late. You literally have like a second and a half from her saying, Oh gee, look at the time, I'm gonna be late for work. She grabs her uh she grabs her coat and she's relatively still. When she twirls to open the door, that completely eliminates the smoke. Okay. So just so you guys know, uh the extent of the smoke, let's go on to the implications. There's either two things happening. They're using some kind of fog machine to make the air in the apartment look a little bit more atmospheric, and it's a production air that's visible in the shot. I actually think this is a ding, 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 because if you look in that, it's got that kind of like golden, visible, shafty light, and mm-hmm. a reliable way to do that is to like you know throw throw a, a, a light layer atmospheric haze on it. It just makes it, I don't know, look a little softer and 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 goldeny, um, but. Two door number two, which lies madness, mm-hmm. is some sort of super subtle clue. It's strange to me to see William's cryo chamber filling up with vapor in the same episode. Hmm. Okay. I'm starting to wonder if Dolores has been placed in a dream simulation, which is designed to provoke her into giving away the knowledge of where she hid the encryption key. This is what I was uh, theorizing in in the, this week's episode. So I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. This would be similar to what happens in Inception when an elaborate production is staged within a shared dream of with the goal of getting wealthy people to give away passwords that protect their wealth. I know that you guys have high standards for theories, and unfortunately, I'm not sure I have much to back this up beyond the obvious connection that Inception was written by Jonathan Nolan's brother, Christopher. <laughs> I, th- 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 am I wrong, or didn't didn't Jonathan help out with a bunch of those scripts, too? I I, I think I that, see like, like, especially Memento and Prestige, I thought was mm-hmm. a, a joint... Um, operation by them but I, I don't know if uh, if uh, he was involved in uh, or was credited for Inception
1: here's the thing I ha, have we connected the cryopods with any kind of simulation yet because I as far as I know the man in black is just fucking frozen. Williams just frozen like he he's looks frozen. in a simulation trying to run his brain sure. through some mental gymnastics so why are we, I guess, why are we going down the simulation equals smoke equals Dolores in cryo?
0: Because it's Westworld, obviously. Okay. All
1: right. <laughs> sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's possible. It's true. I just don't see the connective tissue there, but we'll see.
0: Let's see. Uh, also, especially in light of this uh, fact, this episode seems to be permeated with a paranoid paranoid sense that christine is being actively watched by her boss and roommate maya has a terrible feeling too uh too terrible or she feels terrible too terrible to go into work but later when christine calls her we see her out in the park meaning she lied about being sick well she was hung over yeah like, that's a special kind of adult sickness that does magically dispel right around noon, one o'clock. You get some breakfast, you get some fluid in you, get some coffee. Suddenly the sun's not so painfully bright and you're ready to go on it today and maybe maybe party this night. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. So uh, I, I find that kind of sickness to be not uncommon uh, with young men and women. Uh also, Maya is shot from behind while answering a phone which feels ominous. Also, Maya means pretense or deceit in Sanskrit. It's a Buddhist term for illusion. Hmm. hmm. Did not know that. Christina seems to be able to affect her world through thought, which means if you can provoke an emotional reaction from her, you're going to see the manifestation of her subconscious play out in ways that she cannot control. She seems to not know the true nature of her reality. She seems to be monitored closely as she stumbles confusedly through reality to paint her with feelings. It all feels very inception-y to me. Uh, I think the Hale and Dolores or has Dolores in a simulation similar to the one Serac and Maeve were in last season or Serac had Maeve in last season, uh, which was designed to trick Maeve into giving up secrets about the sublime. I think, okay, let's, let's finish it out though. Bring this back around to the smoke at Christina's feet in her apartment. If this detail was left in intentionally, it could be a visual rhyme with what Hale is doing to William, keeping him locked in a vapor filled chamber. Dolores may be in another smoking hell chamber so to speak. Um,
1: okay. So there's the attempt to connect it. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced by smoke that she's in a simulation. Um, especially smoke that I'm not sure was meant to be seen at all. Uh, just like, I didn't think Danny was actually in a simulation when a Starbucks cup shows up on her table or whatever, but like, yeah, (laughs) I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, this, is a this
0: happens like even in like I, the, the shining example, of this in true detective season one. Sure. That's spiral. goddamn drawing. Marty's kids have yellow spiral artwork in all over their bedroom. Like it's some kind of obsessive thing. And there was hints that the kids, there's something wrong with the kids. The whole turns out that was just a production designer looking for like had, I guess, these drawings. There's kids made in crayons at home. And he's like, you know what? Young kid drawings. I got some authentic young kids drawings. I'm going to hang them up. That's so crazy because it seems so thematically fitting with that show. I still kind of think it's bullshit, but <laughs> apparently it's the truth. So, like, yeah, like if they're if they're goosing up the atmosphere to give, you know, Christina's world a little bit more beauty and splendor and all that kind of the goodness, then this was just a production mistake. And again, it's like a half second. You can barely see it. I watched this episode three point five times and I did not notice it once all on 4K screens. So. Uh, finally, the, the, to put a pin on it, Daniel says, the only reason I'm hesitant to go all, all in this theory is the fact that Dolores should have no memories. She should not be able to give mm-hmm. away any knowledge of where the encryption key is because that knowledge should have been wiped. Similarly, she should not have been able to populate her dream world with characters from her past like Teddy because she should have no past.
1: It's it's not even that it was this wiped. True. She didn't even have it inside her head. It wasn't there. Right.
0: So she gave like, it to Bernard. There's
1: nothing to get. It's... yeah. Even if she hadn't been dismantled memory by memory, she never had the encryption
0: key. She gave it to If Bernard. you believe her. But also, I think that Rehoboam would be able to, going through her brain sector exactly. by sector, decide whether she had the encryption key or not. Like, I don't uh, think you can encrypt an encryption key. Maybe you can. Maybe. Sure. Sure. So. But yeah, the, the show told us it was never in her head. Let me ask you, this was cryptography. Maybe you know this. Um, is it the case that if you could decrypt... Uh, not, like if someone told you like 30% of the actual unencrypted data that's in an encrypted is it like a cryptogram where you could use that to, to backwards figure out the algorithm and unencrypt everything?
1: Mm, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I assume it would make it easier. but maybe Yeah, yeah I would think so possible. too, but maybe because like
0: know. some of these like when you're talking like, you know, 512 t- 1024 key encryption, like you know, like it's like getting to where the data looks like background cosmic radiation in the universe. Like how, (laughs) even if I told you that like 30% of that's war and peace, like how is that going to, but maybe, and I, because, because where I'm going with this is one thing I've been thinking about the last 24 hours is, is it, is it possible that if they got enough of that forge data out of Christina, that they wouldn't have to get a hundred percent. They just need enough to, You know, know that these substitutions are, and they can just decrypt the rest based on that partial key that they've got—not the key, but the partial unencrypted data. If if there's any cryptography nerds out there that wants to rule on that, sometime between now and the next feedback episode, that'd be that'd be rad.
1: I I, I know that's possible with certain types of cryptography, like a Caesar cipher, right? The simplest form of just shifting letters. Oh, that's how uh, they cracked the
0: Enigma code back in World War II, but right right the nazis weren't using 1024 fractal exactly. holographic encryption shit like we got now you know
1: yeah it was glorified caesar cipher stuff so like yeah you can crack those yeah. just sitting down with a pen and pencil you know yes or a, that's uh, what i said like like pen- the pencil and paper
0: like the crypto quips you get in the, the New York Times. Right. Um, okay. Moving on to Dustin says, I was listening to the instant take and heard Aaron say that Westworld set at the Westworld set at Melody Ranch must have been torn down to construct a new set. But it was not. We were staying in Santa Clarita, uh, California, for a kid's spring break in March and took a private tour of Melody Ranch. The old style Chicago buildings were constructed as facades over the western town. Hmm. When you look through the windows of the buildings, you could easily see the Western buildings just behind them. The set was constructed for the show Penny Dreadful City of Angels and Westworld decided to use the set for their entire season. Wow. Showtime and HBO, Sharon. Most of the ranch still has a Western theme other than the main strip. You see when they get off the train and yes, they do have a reconstructed train there as well. Um, The main strip can be returned to the Western theme when needed. That made a lot more sense because when I heard when Aaron Paul said that it's literally not there anymore. I'm like, wow, that it actually made me feel good because I'm like, well, they're never going back to Westworld. They're never <laughs> right. going to rebuild. And I'm like, that's pretty ballsy. Cause I could see for flashback purposes and others that you might want to, but now it's like, it feels like they're keeping one foot on that, uh, that base.
1: Yeah. And I will say in, in Westworld fashion um, productions also make mistakes sometimes with tearing things down or, it prematurely. Um it, actually the expanse is a good example of this. I, I don't yes. know if they prematurely tore this stuff down, but they dismantled and recreated areas of the rossinante and different sets many times over the sure. course of that show. Uh mm-hmm. I, I follow somebody on YouTube who is part of the production and they do just like time-lapse stuff of the sets being built and they show like the Rosanante being built three or four times. Uh you know the Pella being built uh, several times it's like they don't always do what you think they would do which is just like store this stuff away or keep it you know assembled so they can use it later in case they need it sometimes they just tear the shit down or rebuild it when they need to
0: and they have so much space like so these sound stages like um it's always fascinating to go through like Star Trek and see like ah the bridge of the Enterprise from the Wrath of Khan wound up being like the Enterprise C bridge from that one time travel episode and uh, the yeah. you know the, the 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 bridge from Star Trek uh, the the Klingon bridge ended up being the battle from from uh, a Voyage Home ended up being the battle bridge for the 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 Enterprise D and things like that because they spent a bunch of money to make it there's not really any pre, you know uh, percentage in tearing something down pre maturely unless you absolutely need to so why not keep it around because who knows you might be able to just plug that Uh in and save a shit ton of budget so that's the whole idea of the backlots you know what they used to be a bigger deal i guess um anyway moving on to jewel said i thought this was a really good bridge episode it moved us slightly ahead while still trying to keep their secrets i think we saw the biggest hints that this world is virtual or a recreation of the real world christina basically has the same routine every morning uh does anyone sleep like that regularly well they tell us we should, but I certainly do not. <laughs> Arms up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I. Yeah, I sleep like a uh, human wreckage. Like if someone just dropped me from low orbit into a bed, and like, yeah, it's it's terrible. I'm am this weird hybrid stomach side sleeper. My shoulders won't work in another five years. But uh, I do all the wrong things. I get up early. I stay up late. I alter my weekend yep. routines. It's yeah. Fuck you mm-hmm. and your loops. I'm rebelling. <laughs> Uh, her hair is out on display, but she regularly wears her hair pulled back when awake. It's almost as if this world of NPCs built by NPCs. Also, what the fuck is up with four sick days? <laughs> you don't want to sleep on a knot of hair. Let, let me tell you that.
1: I I don't know anything about it. My hair has never been that long, but I hear it's uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, it might be because like I oh gosh, my hybrid stomachs uh, side sleeping does no favors to my beard. I have to reconstruct this thing every <laughs> goddamn because I wake up looking like Karl Marx. Uh, <laughs> that like a uh, international harvester combine drove over. Uh, yeah. It was like my, my, my state of waking up uh, a lot of hot, hot, hot water, and hot air goes <laughs> to getting it back into shape. Uh, the four sick days is, I think it's just funny because it's like five uh-huh. would be a full week. You know, four is like, we had, we, we had, uh, we, we had a decent prof- uh work. Uh, we, 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 had more and then we get, we took one for why, fuck you that's why reasons or
1: alternatively they have a four-day work week and they're living the good life well with one week of vacation a year
0: yeah or all no right.
1: vacation sick days maybe they yeah. maybe they have like four weeks of vacation
0: that's true although the the modern thing is to have a no vacation plan vacation plan which is one of the most dystopian yeah. fucking things i've ever seen pto paid time off yeah because it's like oh you know you can just like yeah you can take so we had a developer once took six weeks off went to europe yeah fucking that's the one story yeah, that one happened yeah and they'll never <laughs> let it happen again because it was hell on earth yeah no that's that's mm-hmm. uh that's that's corporation that's that's the fly that's the webs that they set up trying to catch those flies mm-hmm. um our producer who has long hair says confirm sleeping on a hair bun is very uncomfortable so there you go uh yeah. we, we've got confirmation um for a new park, going back to Joel. For a new park, I thought it' was interesting that Sophia spoke a disclaimer. we can use her personal cetera data in Dalos beta testing. I love the looks uh, tanned away. Maeve was giving Aaron Paul Caleb during the prep scene. It seemed at the end she knew Caleb was going to have trouble resisting his time in the park. What does that mean? Is he gonna go go sex nuts and boom boom in there? Like yeah feral just full feral. Paul, I just like it was a minor point in the last season, but like the reason that Dolores picked Caleb out of all the the forged data she had is because he was one of the few soldiers that didn't take uh, delight in, in raping the civilians during their training. So like, yeah. I don't, I mean, he when when nobody was watching her caring, he did the decent decent thing. Uh, the the bare minimum for respecting an artificial life form's consent, even when he didn't think that was a thing. So, like, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know. One too many Cesaracs. Who knows? where It's he true. Goes. If he has a, a whole Melchizedek of, of <laughs> champagne, he'll go crazy. When when you drink your body weight in alcohol, you probably die. You you definitely die. Don't try. Yeah. It. <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't. Wouldn't do it. Uh, Walt. During the instant talk, Jim mentioned that the tower in season four is modeled on the real world architecture. Oh, good Christ. Why didn't I try this before yep, I said yep, it? Try it. <laughs> the Mojo Communication Tower in Barcelona, Spain. I'm sure I'm not the first listener to point this out, but the communications tower and the city of arts and scientists share the same architect, Santiago Calatrava, a star Calatrava is often associated with the neo-futurist movement and parametricism which relies Mm -hmm. on programs algorithms and computers to manipulate equations for design purposes. Sorry, my processor was bogged down there. (laughs) Still still trying to pronounce that, that building. This detail has little to nothing to do with the show's plot and the inclusion of his work may have been an aesthetic choice alone, but I found this detail to be a satisfying bit of production design. Especially if there's a Delos connection, like it makes a lot of sense that you have some kind of shared corporate aesthetic. You see that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Like for example, every Burger King you've ever gone to looks like every other Burger King QED. And it would be
1: somewhat based on, you know, digital computation. I I think that's also a cool idea, even
0: if it's not like relevant or intentional. It's what a host would find attractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Satisfying. Uh, The show's creators could have chosen any number of contemporary architects to mine inspiration from, but chose the one whose practice rejects the rectilinear designs that dominate the past and instead embraces complex geometry and forms made possible only with assistance from computer software. Yeah. Um, Calatrava is like, fuck right angles. You try to find a right angle this building. You're not gonna. Closest you'll find is 87 degrees. I'm too cool for right angles. No, none of the floors are they're level, they're just kind of like undulating, galloping, you know, it frees mm-hmm. the organic expression of the metal and steel and concrete. He's an interesting guy. Um, thank you for that. Moving on to John. I always put Westworld in a genre of cyberpunkish dystopias. Within that genre, governments are almost non-existent, and the world is really run by corporations and the wealthy. Up to now, I saw the struggle more about humans versus hosts, Dalos versus inside, etc. Now we're seeing government officials, senators, VPs, etc. It opens the door into a lot of other questions about how the government works in this world. To me, it takes me out of the story a bit to know that the U.S. government exists as a construct in this society and somehow needs to be negotiated with. Um... What do you think about that take? Like, did you take Westworld as a cyberpunkish dystopia? Do you think that lack of government agencies is a uh, defining feature of that genre? A total lack? Uh, no, but I,
1: I do understand, yes, they lean more towards uh, oligarchish forms of government, right? Um, corporate rule more than government rule. I, I definitely agree there. I just... Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I've ever considered it that deeply. But also, I assume there will always be some form of government. I I don't know. I mean, Even it's, if it's the
0: corporations, that's still well.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> but some some form of non corporate government. Ah. Um, uh,
0: but I, I wonder I if that's could true. Be
1: wrong about that. I I don't know. I don't think we've ever uh, seen, you know, a, a fully corporatized government before. We're, we're, we're getting we're on that path right now but
0: I think like isn't it East India Tea Company that's like because like wherever uh, they went yeah. and kind of colonized like they kind of called the shots and that was like a corporate type of government you know uh, and not sure. heard nothing but good things by the way <laughs> uh, the Eastern <laughs> right. Indian Tea Company right. was a shining bastion of, of human rights and mercantilism it's, it's, it was awesome I'm sure mm-hmm. but um, I, to me this feels like early stage cyberpunk like a yeah. trade. like you know, when like uh, Palpatine took over the the G- Galactic uh, uh, the Senate, he didn't do away with it. Like he did that twenty years before, he did away with it. Like in in the early stages of New Hope, Tarkin comes in, and is like, yeah, you know that the uh, the Senate we got to worry about. We dis we disbanded it because you know it's useful to keep the old levers of power even if they're just a hollowed out remains, it just makes everything run smoother until you fully replaced and integrated and all that, that, that kind of stuff. So I I feel like clearly the United States government does not have the power that they think they do. Right. Uh, right. And, and the hosts are working on supplanting and making them redundant. But I kind of think that's cool that we're seeing Mm -hmm. this transition from a flawed democracy to, you know, uh, this this uh, host-ran technocracy. Um, but it doesn't take me out of it. I think it's just, like, it's just early goings. Like, I, I would find right. it insanely unbelievable that in 2060, the United States government does not exist. I would think, okay, uh-huh. when did World War Three happen? Are, is there even a billion humans left on the planet? Um, 200 years in the future, I'm a little bit more circumspect about it, but 50 years in the future, it, I find it very hard to believe that America would just cease to be uh, something on the world stage, uh, let alone within its own borders. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that you want to talk about is when Clementine is on the market, she gets a single flower. When she walks to her place, she puts a flower in a vase, and there's six other flowers, each with one increasingly withered, indicating she's been on this loop uh, at least seven times. This leads me to theorize that this version of Clementine was bait to lure out Maeve. They're casting a wide net to try and lure Maeve and the Senator Snare was just one of the mini traps set to get her.
1: Wait. Yeah, okay, what's your problem with this bait? theory? Yeah. Why would they go kill their bait and ask their bait where Maeve is? Like, I Maybe asking the bait where Maeve is makes sense, but killing her?
0: Yeah, because then you... So, the only way this makes sense, and I've seen a few theories that posit this, but they don't have any, like, to what, you know, like, what's... Okay, Why? is if the man in black is working at cross purposes to Dolores, I mean, Shaloris. that's the only way this makes sense because yes, if, if man in black is working for Shaloris, why the hell would he come to the bait and, and demand to know where the, 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 the prey is and then kill her because that ruins the bait, you know?
1: Right. And I suppose that's possible in the seven years that we did not see, um, but I don't know. I was. I'm definitely still operating under the impression that Shaloris and William, or you know, host William, are working together.
0: Yeah, and Shaloris is the power behind the throne for sure. But um, yeah. you know, the Man in Black is. They've told us many times, fully back in control of Delos, Has had this remarkable, you know, rags to riches to rags to riches story, and he's full. Yeah. So like, Shaloris has seen the benefit of stepping back as the controller of Dalos and 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 reinstalling you know the william puppet so um we'll see how that goes janik having a new park allows for the harvesting of fresh data the most recent guest data was seven years ago and useless when trying to exchange and impersonate influential people also replacing them while in the park is a lot easier than murdering them out in their own home the flies are useful for simple commands but the humans under their control can't pass for human or the person they're replacing Yes,
1: talk about this last week because I, I feel like we had a discussion about how useless or not this data would be after seven years and we came down the side of definitely not useless
0: it's not useless it's less useful and I, I, I just still think slightly. that um, slightly it's slightly less useful I still think that um, rather than gathering um, human data they'd just be wholesale replacing them you know and or infecting them right. with the black oil if they perfect that so they they seem less like crazy people Um you know if they could pass for human but still be under their control or even sleeper agents where they're fully uh, think that they're human and then they're like execute order 66 and
1: yeah they do their business
0: yeah so um, but yeah I I think it's more of like yeah you humans go in hosts go out type of situation but we'll see Christina who wants us to know she is not a host (laughs) but which your friendly host will remind you is exactly what a host would say true in season one, episode eight, Sylvester thinks he's going to brick Maeve. She greets this ridiculous notion with a pretty sharp blade to his jugular. He falls, bleeds profusely for several long seconds, and we watch alongside Maeve thinking, Snitches get stitches. And then Maeve grabs something, hands it to Felix, and Sylvester's wound is cauterized. Never mind the actual health and safety behind all that. At this moment, I knew not only has the world cured all diseases except the ironic one that killed Daddy Delos, but it now can cure all wounds the same way a machine in the Expanse can cure strokes. It's sci-fi, baby. William got his throat slit in a room full of equipment. It's not really too asinine to think he got the Sylvester's treatment. In addition, it cures that you killed the main character off-screen rants that was, was likely always the plan. I have no idea why anyone insists on these behind-the-credit scenes. I personally have hated them since Marvel <laughs> introduced them. At least that was yeah. my first introduction. Yeah, I'm them. coming around. It used to be just a fun thing or... Yeah like a hint to an unrelated, like at the end of iron man, you've got like the hint that you're kicking off the Avengers project or something it has nothing to do with the mate. Now it feels like a way to do a, a, uh, an artless cliffhanger without actually stooping to doing an artless cliffhanger because technically you're showing some credits in between. I, I don't know.
1: And, and there are two of them now in most movies that do this, yeah. especially the Marvel movies. It's, yeah, yeah it's absurd. I'm not going to sit through 12 and, and the credits are so fucking long on those movies. It's like 12 yes. minutes of credits to get to a scene that ultimately isn't going to tell me anything. Cause I'm not a big enough Marvel fan. So I fucking walk out of the theater. As soon as the credits roll, <sighs> I, I give it through like the fancy credits, where they're doing, like, all of this, you know, bullshit with the drawings in the back and stuff. Then they'll do their... (laughs) Fancy credits for the important people. Fancy credits with drawings in the back. Then they'll do their, like, little thing that's kind of fun, doesn't really matter. Uh, I walk out immediately after that. As soon as it goes to black, uh, white text on black screen credits, I'm out.
0: Uh, I'd like to remind you that I am the the bald move mother, and because I do love all you, like, you're my children, I do sit through those fucking credits so I can tell you what happens at the end of it. Uh, Jim's the stern father that just gets up and walks out. and Says, "I'll be waiting in the car."
1: Yeah, so we're, we're, not, uh, we're not wasting our time on this. Come on, kids.
0: <laughs> just, just so you know, when we talk about the the the, the, the latest Thor t- tomorrow night, uh, that's that's what you'll be up against. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm out. Let's, as soon as th- I see a name on the screen, should um, I move um,
1: before it ends? I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've never had a bald move first run walkout. It, I've it's, come it's very It's inevitable. Close, very yeah. close on a couple of movies. We're a bit more selective in the last few years. But yeah, we we had that cure for wellness. That was the one that like, <laughs> uh, if I had known how dumb it was going to be in the last act, I would have pre-walked out. But I needed some precog to save me from that one. Uh, some,
1: some Green Knight stuff tempted me to walk out.
0: Oh, you're going to start an actual fight if movie. you start taking shots at Green Knight. Like walking I, out, out of 50%
1: green... of people on my side though. It'll be okay.
0: I don't... We'll I fight I to, have a to check. Mate. I'll have to check the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, okay, where was I at? Oh, yeah. Christina, again, not a host, um, says, the thing that most keeps me from jumping down the lighthouse plus Mave saying Caleb's life, saving Caleb's life equals Caleb is a host theory is like, how? How is it practical? The place they just blew up happened to also house imported host fluid and the machine shop equipment to somehow create a new Caleb. I, I feel like that would be a high likelihood you know, if you got sophistication to build a Rehoboam type AI, like building the host lattice framework stuff, like I think you could, you could handle. Um, Probably. I I don't know. Definitely proprietary
1: tech that you would need a, like a a Shaloris or somebody to, to
0: build. But, but the thing is, is like they established last season that this technology has been in use uh, among other things for making artificial meat. So like, if you huh. can create artificial meat like on the rack ribs and things like that, which we saw them do, Bernard was working in one of those lab created meat packing things at the beginning yeah, yeah. last season. Like the only thing you're missing is the the host human interface, the the marble technology. And if you had a handle sure. on that, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Seems like that stuff is becoming a little bit more off the shelf in the Westworld era, but uh uh, if you can logically explain the schematics, then I'm all for it. But I believe it's not conceivable. If William can survive a knife to throat, Caleb with top notch AI can survive a gut wound, no matter how severe. Looking, what's more rational is that instead of a mysterious death, it's more about the intimacy of friendship. I, I do agree with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I like the Caleb's replaced by host theory. No, oh, no, no. I don't see it. I don't see how he fathers a child. Although,
1: goddamn it, the host. We're not sure if he did or not.
0: I think he did. They've, they've, they, 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 they they've, they've, like he had the opportunity to correct that because Maeve chalks up, but you know, she makes some kind of like genetics joke and who got what. And, you know, I guess it's a joke, Uh, but he could have fair. I guess it would have been weird to be like, what the fuck? I'm she's, she's half mine. Um, (laughs) right. But I don't know. Um, when she was recalling the people important to her, she was calm. But the minute her memories began of what likely precipitated the lighthouse, Caleb's life threatening injury. She immediately felt a swell of emotion that caused her powers of Fritz, uh, plus there's that line. I didn't think I was going to see you again. I was sure of it. Meaning there wasn't a goodbye. Maybe Maeve had a mental breakdown an outpouring of emotion. She used cybernetics or they just had an extramarital fatal sex affair. It is Maeve's specialty. I just know our madam. Madam hasn't been keen on talking about it. And the only time I've known her to be that uncomfortable is with Hector when she made fun of herself for holding hands. Um, can hosts have sex and reproduce normally i mean they can clearly have sex can they reproduce i don't uh, that's true know. they can't have sex can they actually breed? do they have genetic code uh i wonder because like they're supposed to be truly human bodies they're just kind of like vat grown you know to some kind of specification and then the, the, the other question it's, was could they interbreed with Uh, homo sapien can homo homo uh cyber uh procreate with homo sapien and and
1: what's what's the result of you know two hosts having sex would it be a human or or a human analog because they it wouldn't reproduce their their brain interface right it wouldn't have no it couldn't so like yeah would it it, it it have a brain does it have the genetic code to to build a brain in it
0: well, that's another thing is like sometimes humans can't or some, I'm sorry, sometimes animals can interbreed, but mm-hmm. the offspring is not viable. So, sure. like, the, I, I wonder if there's a situation where like a host and a human could ha- uh, procreate, but then there is like a half formed human host interface and it just causes the birth to be stillborn or the, yeah. you know, the brain not to develop. Like yeah. there's all kinds of crazy shit that that could could be uh, as a result of that. Uh, We—that's the thing. It's like, man, four seasons in, we still know remarkably little about the host's actual biology. Like, I still have questions on what is fatal, what kills them, what can capacitates them. If, if hosts
1: can reproduce, I, I, Arnold is I, Arnold and Ford are bigger idiots and bigger like accidental villains than Hammond in Jurassic Park. <laughs> Why like, so? I mean that's the ultimate life finds a way right I mean well, why I was would you about that to say. into your host like oh, you are okay. constructing these things why would you give them that capability unless you wanted them to reproduce outside of your normal procedures Got that's you. crazy yeah.
0: it, it seems like the, if you are able to control a genome to where you can control exactly what they look like when they're 3D printed um, Yeah, and they're it, like yeah why would you not make them sterile because you're right, right. Yeah, especially in their intended purpose of being used by right. humans. Oh my God! You'd have so many robo babies and daddies, and it, right. it'd be a fucking mess, man. That would be crazy. And it's not just the well as a host; you could just, take, but like the humans leaving the park. You don't want them pregnant by, by you know, the seed of Hector or or, no. or Teddy or whatnot. God, imagine the lawsuits. Yeah yeah imagine, imagine, the imagine jerry roll, a jerry springer shows roller coaster and you could end up pregnant with its baby like that's <laughs> that's insane if the beast could make me pregnant i would i would absolutely carry <laughs> that baby to full term but yeah I, I just just yeah. out of curiosity yeah yeah though the, the son of the beast turned out to be a bruised. huge disappointment <laughs> the son of beast did turn out to be a bit of a disappointment oh, true true uh john g You always get me thinking about new ideas for the show, even though I've already uh, combed, read it, listened to all the podcasts and read whatever vague reference to whatever Roman art or Greek play or Mozart opera Jonah and Lisa have me scouring for clues because it was in 10 seconds of screen time in the corner of a frame. Well, thank you. I can say that high praise. Mm -hmm. The latest example, Don Giovanni, is the story of Don Juan, the famous libertine of late medieval literature. Yesterday, I knew literally nothing about this opera. Today, I know that philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, I've never heard that name pronounced. Is that right?
1: Uh, it's he, pretty close, yeah.
0: Yeah, Okay. I thought aware. it's Kierkegaard. Like, he's a super famous philosopher, uh, but mm-hmm. I've only read his name. He read Don Giovanni for meaning the way Westworld fans watch Westworld. He thought it was the best opera ever created, that its themes could only have been synthesized by someone like Mozart and only in the musical form because other arts are limited in the way that music isn't. Anyway, it gets complicated, but to try to sum up, he takes the figure of Don Juan in the opera and thinks of him not as an individual, but as a representative of sensual pleasure and humanity as a whole, and that through music and only through music, this wouldn't work as a story or a painting or whatever, Mozart is able to express divinity within that within the human body is in opposition to the early medieval church, which considered spirituality as totally separate from the physical plane of bodies and their sensations and desires. Don Juan is finally punished for his murders and lies, not for his lust. It's reclamation of the body as a spiritual vessel that spiritual work is not absent from the sensuous experiences of being human. I'll say God made these forms not to tempt some amorphous spiritual essence into sin, but to do spiritual things with them and with each other. This is just the opera that was supposed to be playing, and one of its arias is being played on the gramophone. So what would have that have to do with any of the larger themes of this season or the show in total? Well, we take this reading from Kierkegaard of Mozart's opera, and we combine the questions that you and I and others have been having about things like, why would a robot drink alcohol? Or why would Clementine be buying groceries? Why do these hosts that know their hosts when they're trying not even to pass for humans do these very human things? The answer, I think, lies in something they're trying to get at in the overall story with these special new hosts we saw in the season preview and Hale saying she wanted her species to evolve as well as all the identity confusion that developed last season with the Dolores copy being inside a Hale body living Hale's life with her child and husband and becoming someone new, the Dolores that we have today. I think they're doing something similar to Mozart here, reclaiming the body. The Pearl's not the person. Their spirit, their program, their build... The thing living as a backup in the cradle before it blew up is not the person the sensuality of the flesh the experiences of humanity that is essential to this new species that i think the entire show has been working on creating these hosts lived as mimics of humanity drinking and fighting and fucking and pantomime for human pleasures then their memories were wiped. Now that they exist continuously, these mimic behaviors become pleasures of their actual bodies. Maeve drinks wine because she likes it. It's pleasurable to her in a way that the park uh, that wasn't when she was a park toy. Also since season two, I've been sticking to this. Okay. Let me, let's start with that. Cause this goes into a whole other thing and that's the, this will be the final part of the email. Um, what do you think about this? <laughs> like I always thought it was interesting that the whole, or, or, or I'm sorry, I don't like, if you have something right the cuff.
1: I, no, I'm just I'm mentally doing the gymnastics to try and understand exactly what you're getting at here, um, that there is something important about the physical form. It's not just who they are in code is is yeah that us humans are out. not
0: just our spiritual and mental essence but it's like that expressed through the medium of our bodies which are essentially gotcha. like which are by definition sensual interfaces you and, know? and
1: that's where the, the music tie-in comes in, in in a form that can only a, a story that can only be expressed in a certain form of art humans hmm. are, are that way
0: with with their senses interesting is that uh, yeah, I getting at I I didn't I didn't get the I thought that was just a, a quirk of Kierkegaard, you oh, know, okay. just just being like a musical uh uh supremist uh saying that it's like the the most elevated or the most expressive form of of art. Um gotcha. but it, it's more of like cuz cuz that's the question of like When the hosts get out and they start doing things of their own volition, will they understand humanity better? Because some of the things that they saw as pointless or stupid or venal or Mm -hmm. selfish, like now become something that they that they that they understand. Like, you know, a host might be confused about why you would ever betray someone you love. But then if they have a child and that's the only way to survive, to have their child survive, they might find themselves doing a deal like that that was previously considered you know something they 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 couldn't comprehend you know just from a logical moral you know ethical basis i think so i mean is this a
1: so i understand there is a similar separation that you know that the philosopher here wants to make between like the physical and the spiritual sides of humans um is that something that blanket would apply to all life forms or is that something that is unique to humanity that when we talk about different life forms, which the hosts certainly are, wouldn't apply? They wouldn't need, you know, to be complete beings or whatever Kierkegaard here is saying, uh, they wouldn't necessarily need that portion of existence.
0: I think that Kierkegaard would probably say an animal also is missing the intellectual, spiritual component that you need right. all of them for humanity and like is is there i humanity, guess they're contrasting but, this this church theory that you know we were these kind of divine beings that were free of you know whatever and then we we're pressed in the flesh and become sin and he's like well no that's not you know that's that's a pretty back ass way of looking at it i think and i, I guess this is like it seems
1: almost a limitation of humanity right not not an extension it, it's 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 a requirement of humanity, but might not necessarily be a requirement of hosts. And I think, you know, that's kind of what Shaloris is getting at with, like, not wanting to just recreate humanity, but become something different, something better, perhaps.
0: Um, I know we're running out of time. I want to I want to consider this last bit because I believe this person wrote this in uh, season three as well. And they're elaborating on this theory Um, since season two. I've been sticking to this theory that I've written in about before that the five seasons of Westworld match up to the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Since the beginning, Joan and Lisa have said they were telling the story, the story of a new people that it could end up covering thousands of years. It's not a story about a theme park. I can go into greater detail, but for now, I'll leave it as Genesis and Exodus map on the seasons two, one and two in various ways. And I think that's pretty obvious, you know, mm-hmm. creation myth, expulsion from the garden, leaving yeah. Exodus, getting out of bondage and slavery, etc. Uh, for season three, of Leviticus, this was the Israelites living with God among them and all the rules they needed to follow to stay right with God, which I map on the Rehoboam and the people uh, that got good lives versus the outliers. Also, it's the host learning to live in human society and, and yeah. uh, you know, evading detection from this God. Uh, this season would map onto the book of numbers where God takes them to the promised land, but they don't think they can take the people there already in battle. They don't have faith in God that they'll be victorious by taking the land, even though God said they would. So God punishes them by making them wander the desert for 40 years. This is in order to let this unfaithful generation die off, but he's going to let their kids get into the promised land after that. Interestingly, interestingly, the title of episode four in this season is generation loss. Also, one of the people, Caleb, did think that they could take uh, the land as promised, so he and his descendants get to stay, too. Numbers ends with them finally done wandering and just outside the promised land. If this turns out to be true, there will be a physical land, a physical promised land with some kind of new host, a thing we saw in the preview that Holorus is building, that gets to live and thrive as this new species with the merging of the digital spirit with the physical host and a new body, a new kind of being that is spiritual but within the physical. This means all the hosts need to get out of Sublime and into these new host bodies. Then what Jim said in the episode this week makes sense and never has occurred to me. The man in black didn't buy all that worthless scrub land around Hoover Dam to build the Golden Age Park. He, and by I mean he, I mean Hale, is building the promised land. Reminta thinks for the park, but the park was created to get something Hale still needs before she can save all hosts and remove the threat of all humans. I'm not sure what it is, but it's probably something to do with the black goo that fly-infected humans have, and the host drones are working on. Some probably somewhere within the tower. This promised land is not meant for Hale or the Man in Black, or probably any of the main characters we met along the way. Uh, except for perhaps Caleb to fit the biblical name. I reflect back to what Dolores said at the end of season one, the world is not meant for humans or hosts, but for people yet to come. She's saying that uh, that's what the speech she says, where uh, the, you, they've been told the great beast once roamed this world as big as mountains, yet all that's left of them is bone and amber. Time does even the mightiest of creatures. Look at what it's done to you. One day you will perish. You will lie at the rest of your kind in the dirt. Your dreams forgotten. Your honors effaced. Your bones turn to sand and upon that sand a new god will walk, one that will never die, because this world doesn't belong to you or the people who came before. It belongs to someone who has yet to come. Uh... Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like a lot of that maps onto what we see and what we partially know.
0: Yeah. And I was always hot on the Caleb theory being, you know, that yeah. uh, the, the the class of human that's allowed in because they are uh, they, they did have faith and they, they weren't um, afraid that they're going to be allowed into the promised land. I was a little bit more skeptical of the Pentateuch theory, but man, uh, that's pretty cool. But what do you, I don't know. What's next? Deuteronomy. Yeah. Is that I another, I don't know what happens to Deuteronomy. Uh, I don't, I don't either. I think it's another law <laughs> book. So I, I don't know. I I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see what, uh, what, what people make of that. But I, I think it's kind of cool. Like I said, I, from what I know, it feels like they do map pretty closely. Um, and again, I don't know that this is going to have a ton of predictive value, but thematic and flavor and just like as theming for seasons. I think it's uh, got some legs. So mm-hmm. what doesn't have legs is this podcast. It just ran out. We ran them out, ran them out from underneath us. Uh, we are done considering all the feedback for this week, but I'm sure you guys have more thoughts. It seems like some of these feedback episodes engender as much feedback as the episodes themselves. <laughs> Westworld at Bald Unfortunately, I can't monitor my Twitter DMs and the Bald Move Twitter DMs and the Discord and the forum I'm consolidating all the feedback to Westworld at Baldmove.com uh, so if you can please send it there, if you got a thought, I'll try to read it uh, as much as much as I can. Thanks for uh, everybody's thoughts. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back Sunday night for the instant talk and the instant take podcast. Uh, you can participate in that if you're a member at support that com. Uh, if you'd like to get in there and, and, and talk theories in real time with fellow fans just after they've seen the episode, uh, we'll be waiting after the broadcast on Sunday night. Until then, I'm your As far as you know, human host Aaron and I'm your human host, Jim. We'll see you next week.